Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Open Concessions podcast presented by Toyota, featuring a weekly in-depth conversation with a Chicago Cubs-related personality. We are your hosts, Len Casper, Jim Deshays. We make up the Cubs television tandem. J.D., we will chat with Adbert Alzali. Uh, looking forward to that conversation here in a couple of minutes. But the big news, not only in Chicago, but around uh, the sport of baseball, is Theo Epstein has stepped down as the Cubs president of baseball operations. Jed Hoyer uh, takes over. Well-deserved for Jed. Uh, your initial thoughts on the big news this week. Yeah, it's funny because um, I think everyone kind of felt or knew that, that this would be or could be Theo's last year uh, with the Cubs. Uh, and he had you know, kind of implied that it might come sooner than we all anticipated. But, but it's still a, it's kind of a, a jarring bit of information when you get it. It you know, shows up on social media where whatever uh, Theo Epstein is, is stepping down uh, certainly grabs your attention. Uh, but, man, what a run. You know, you talk about promises delivered. Uh, he came here. He did. He was the architect of the Cubs World Series team, obviously, had a great run. Uh, he's got a, a lot more on his plate going forward. It's going to be very interesting to, to see what he end, ends up doing either in the game or outside of the game. So, yeah, tip of the hat to, to Theo, and congratulations to Jed. As you said, well-deserved. Uh, he's got the resume. He's got the experience. And, and now he gets to be the number one and everything that comes with it. He takes the job. Uh, uh, had a difficult time, uh, both in terms of this team and, and the game overall with COVID, and, and we anticipate some changes to this roster. So choppy waters for sure, uh, but I think they've got the right guy steering the ship. One other thing about Theo, his legacy is the success and raising the standards here, winning the World Series for the first time in 108 years. All of that stuff is absolutely true. And terms of the quantitative uh, analysis. Uh, And and the qualitative part of it, I guess, wouldn't maybe have resonated quite as much without the tangible on-field success. But I think it bears mentioning uh, his honesty, his self-awareness. I've heard the term empathy uh, come up a lot. He's a very uh, empathetic uh, person. he made some very difficult decisions, but I thought explained them all very well in terms of you know competitive uh, nature that he has. Uh, Ricky Renteria only got one year here, but when Joe Madden became available, uh, Theo was not shy to, to make that move. Uh, he acquired Aroldis Chapman, who had been suspended uh, earlier that season uh, for a domestic uh, situation. Uh, he explained why he made that move. Not everyone agreed with it. Um, but I thought, you know, he he kind of uh, drew those lines in terms of, you know, we thought that we needed to do this in order to make our team better, even though uh, that move came with with a lot of questions. I thought he handled the Addison Russell situation incredibly deftly. Uh, there was a lot of nuance with Theo, and that that was a a welcome uh, breath of fresh air, to, so to speak, in an era where nuance gets lost quite a bit. Yeah, and, and you know, I think when you have that job, and quite often his quote would be, or his response would be, "I'm doing what is in the best interest of the Cubs." There are probably times when, for personal reasons, he didn't like maybe the player he was acquiring or wasn't really comfortable doing certain things. 
but I, but I think he always honored the fact that he he was you know put in charge of running this franchise and trying to bring this franchise a World Series, and that was first and foremost. Um, he even implied that a, a little bit in his, his press conference when when he talked about you know if he stays in the game but not running a club, uh, there's a different perspective, right? When you if you're if he's working for the commissioner's office or working, uh, you know not specifically for one team, but in the for the betterment of the game, um, you, you might push for certain things that you wouldn't do if you were running a club. And uh, so, yeah, I think he, he, he walked that tightrope. Um, as you said, definitely, um, he's a really clever guy, really smart guy. Obviously, um, sky's the limit. You know, says he doesn't want to go into politics, but I think he'd make a great senator someday. So, Theo, we wish you the best. Thanks for a great nine seasons. And today we will chat with Cubs 25-year-old right-hander Adbert Alzala. Quick word on Adbert, J.D., his last two appearances, and we will talk to him about uh, those in particular, were really eye-opening. And there are potentially a couple of spots open in the Cubs rotation. So he could, he could be a big part of things in 2021. In fact, I would bet on it. Yeah, I would think he has the inside track to a spot in the Cubs rotation right now. We'll see what uh, trades happen. We'll see what the free agency looks like. But right now it looks like he has a very uh, you know solid spot in the Cubs rotation going forward. And, you know, for good reason. I mean, he's got a real nice uh, fastball, um, curveball changeup. And now this slider that he's added, he's got a four-pitch mix um, that has a chance to be really good. He's a smart guy. Um and yeah, I think you could see in those last couple of starts, he's getting more comfortable at the big league level. And as strange as it may seem, the fact that there wasn't a minor league season and he spent as much time down there at the alternate site trying to you know rework uh, some of his stuff, uh, I think actually proved to be beneficial for him. So enjoy our conversation with Cubs pitcher Adbert Alzali. Adbert, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm good, guys. Thank you guys for uh, the invitation. So uh, tell us what you're up to these days. You're uh, in Arizona, correct? Yes, I am in Arizona right now. Uh, just started my off-season program two weeks ago, so we're back into the routine again. <laughs> So the time off, did you literally do nothing <laughs> in terms of physical activity, just trying to recharge no, your batteries? No, no. I had uh, some time off, but um, I, I was active the whole time. You know, I will go hiking like twice a week. I will do some like biking and running too sometimes. So my body was pretty active during this whole time. So what what does the program, your off-season program now, look like once you get into a throwing and a training program? Um, do you have you guys have a good group there in Arizona working out together? Or are you working just you and a catcher? Um, and, and how much throwing are you doing these days? Well, with all this uh, COVID situation right now, so just, uh, I have one of the trainers right now with me that he's working with my shoulder. So he's uh, my uh, throwing partner right now but uh it's right now we are at the moment that it's just more lifting than uh baseball activities 
I just uh, resumed my throwing program today. So today I went to up to 60 feet for the first time after the last game of the season. Uh, so, but I felt really good. So their main focus right now is more like getting stronger again, you know, like lifting, um, taking care of the shoulder work. And then from then we're just going to start uh, doing some more throwings and all that. Hey JD, what what program did you have in November after you, after your season ended? Yeah, see, uh, see in March. Yeah, yeah, th- things have changed so much. Yeah, yeah it was like, uh, you know, don't get hit by a bus, and yeah, we'll see you in spring training. Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of the program back in the day. Yeah, um, Adbert, I know you've had some arm issues in the past, and you never want to go through any injuries, but. Having gone through some of those things, is it in in a weird way a good thing because you're kind of more in tune with your body, and if you have little aches and pains, you kind of know what those are all about. Yeah, thinking about that, like right now in the position that I'm right now, so yeah, it was a good thing that that happened like two years ago. So I kind of learned from it, you know, my body learned it too. So now, um. Now I know more about how to take care of my shoulder and my elbow and my whole body better than before. So I think it was, uh, in in that kind of part, it was it was a good thing that happened to me. And you lost some weight last off season. Are you a vegetarian? Did I read that correctly? Uh, last year, yeah, my whole off season program was in based. Uh, a vegetarian eating, but right now, uh, I mean, I just got red meat, but um, I incorporate like fish in my uh, meals now, um, some chicken too. How how was that uh, being a vegetarian? Was was that a, a tough transition for you, or was it was uh, it easy? It wasn't that bad. Like the first two weeks, yes, it was a little little hard for me. But then my body started, like, kind of get used to it. And I did it because, like, last year I felt that I was I had some extra weight or extra fat, I guess, that I didn't want to have on my body. So I, it was, like, kind of, like, resetting my body again at that moment. And uh, is, it, is your wife a vegetarian as well? Does that make it easier to to kind of have the same meals or what, what sort of plan is she on? Oh, uh, so she's a nutritionist. So, oh, perfect. so yeah. So my meals are being so good for the last two years, I think, because like, uh, she calculate all my macros, like, okay, if you're going to keep, uh, if you want to keep your body in 200 pounds, so this is, all you have to do to do it and you know in just eating you know like this is the total carb or protein that your body needs every day to uh, function at the level that you want to be so she comes up with what to eat and you cook it right you're the head chef uh we we're taking turns now (laughs) (laughs) do you have some skills are you pretty good yes i am Uh, you, you've been a pitcher for a while, but, um, I'm curious to go back 
I think you played some third base and a little outfield. Is is that right? And when oh when did you God. become a full time pitcher? Yes. So growing up as a kid, you know, uh, like in baseball, my whole life. So I used to play third base, but uh, it was it happened when I was uh eleven or twelve years old. So we were in this game, and then I just got a land drive off my chest. So. That was the last day that I played third base. I was like, you know what? Uh, uh, I think I can I can throw the ball pretty hard. So I'm just going to pitch and just play in the outfielders. I don't want to be involving this whole situation in the infielder because I was like, no, I, I, just, I just can't do it. And then I wasn't that good at hitting at that moment. I, I'm still not that good. But I was like, you know what? I can throw the ball. So this is what, what I'm going to do. So. When I was 14 years old, that was when I started like getting more into pitching and pitching, and then it, I just became full time pitcher. Did did pitching come to you naturally? Were were you really good at it when you started, or what? If not, uh, what did you have to improve uh, the most at first? Well, uh, I I always had the ability to throw a strike. Like I will. Since I was a kid, I would throw strikes, a lot of strikes, but I didn't throw hard when I was a kid, you know, like it was normal. But then when I was uh, was 16 years old, I didn't throw hard enough, you know, it was like around 88, 89 all the time. But then just, I guess, when I sign in and then start all this process working just the my billow just start like developing 88 89 and 16 seems pretty hard to me are <laughs> you, you're yeah, saying there, there are other kids there are other kids you were playing with that were your age that threw harder well if and then now it's even harder now because like i have seen kids that are 16 years old throwing 97 yeah it's insane <laughs> isn't it <laughs> And, and and speaking of your repertoire, uh, there was a real shift, uh, and JD and I noticed it. The, the harder breaking ball. Um, can you just tell us as much as you can about the development uh, of your slider and and having that intermediary pitch uh, between your fastball and your curveball? It was well. It it all started back in, in South Bend. You know, uh, we have these conversation I had it with Breslow and uh James and Ron Belong that were the two pitching coaches down there. So um Breslow had this like really good idea. He was like I think with the way that, that you the way that you control your curveball you're able to add another pitch because he was like you can use your curveball early or late in the game. It doesn't matter because you have a really really good curveball and you can command it well. And then he was like, you're a slider. He's just going to help you to have that, like, put him away pitch, you know, that the hitters not, 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 not are, like, expecting that pitch right now. So we started working. I remember the first time that I started throwing a slider, it was, like, kind of like my curveball because it wasn't that hard. It was around, like, 81 to 84 sometimes. So it was, like, kind of similar. And then the last time that I get sent down, it was when uh we really was like, you know what, let's put this in work and let's try to get 
that below a little bit up. So I remember my first bullpen after getting sent in down, I threw 62 pitches in that bullpen. That was the longest bullpen that I ever threw in my life. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but the goal was like, I told the pitching coaches, I was like, until I don't hit 88 with this pitch, I, I won't stop throwing it. So the last four pitches of that bullpen, I was throwing a slider up between 85 to 88. So we we caught it right there. Um, literally, I just took it into the game. Do you, do you think it was easier uh, to develop this, uh, you know, a new pitch um, at South Bend, you know, in that kind of a format, that alternative site, as opposed to if it was a regular minor league season and you were pitching as a starting pitcher, say, every fifth day? Did the, kind of the different format there allow you to, you know, play with that pitch more and experiment more? I think what really helped us to, like, get into development all those pitchers real quick was all the technology that we had down there too you know we literally have a pitching lab down there right? we had everything that you can ask for to get better everything was down there i'm not gonna lie like everything that you needed as a player we had it in the facility down there so i think that helped us a lot to like uh you know just get a lot of information for every uh live vp or uh bullpen that I will throw down there. So I think that was one of the biggest difference. So your last two outings, nine innings, 15 strikeouts. And I mean, just just us watching uh, from the monitor because we weren't uh, in Pittsburgh or on the south side. I mean, it it, it was nasty. Um, and, and you had to notice the reaction you were getting from the hitters, and I'm just curious to know if if you were even a little surprised at how effective that pitch was immediately. I wasn't surprised because I knew it that if I was able to tunnel in my pitches, I knew it. I was like, I know the results that I can get of the pitches, but I I'm pretty sure what really like helped me to be more in control of myself or, or mixing better my pitches during those games was the ability just to be there, you know, just to learn, just watching, like, Hendrix pitching, uh, Darvish pitching the way that they just work against the hitters and all that. So just watching all those details, I feel that I learned so much in so, in so like, minimum time over there and then just having Q with me being my throwing partner every single day and just observing him the way that he throws the ball I think that was huge for uh my development this year too yeah I want to follow up on that and and being around veteran guys who've had a lot of success at the big league level and how important it has been for you to not only being able to talk to them, but just watch them work. Uh, that has to be huge for you. I mean, yeah, it's to me, that that's like one of the most important things because I was like, okay, I can have the tools to be a big leader or to stay in the big leagues, you know, but 
to be a big leaguer, or I you you just need to be around them. I think too, you know, you just need to learn like what they do in the big leagues, because you won't do that in like in AAA. You know, to be a big leaguer, you need to be around big leaguers. So, I think to me that was just huge because I was able to just watch them, watch uh their routine every single day. So it's just so much that you can gain from that if you really like pay attention to every detail so to me that was huge Toyota Thon is on and there are great deals on your favorite Toyota models such as RAV4, Highlander, Camry, Corolla, Tundra, Tacoma and more. That's right, Toyota Thon is on. And did I mention every new Toyota comes with Toyota Care, their two-year or 25,000-mile maintenance plan. Visit toyota.com for details and get into your local Chicagoland Toyota dealer today. Current offers end November 30th. Toyotathon ends January 4th. Toyota Care covers normal factory scheduled service for two years or 25,000 miles, whichever occurs first. See your participating dealer for details. We hope to have fans back in the ballpark in 2021. And by placing a ticket pack deposit, you'll have the opportunity to purchase tickets before the general single game ticket on sale date. There are eight game packs and 14 game packs that can be customized to your preferences for more information, visit cubs.com slash ticket packs. We've got to ask you about your journal. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away any secrets, but generally, what are you writing between innings? Are you just literally writing down what happened against the, the batters you just faced? Uh, yes, I know. I'm literally, I'm keeping like, let's say, sequence, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you're like facing the uh, the side for the third time. So that's when you got to be more careful when you're pitching because, uh, I mean, they're just seeing you for the third time around and they already know what the hell is coming to them. So when you sometimes you you lose it and the catcher too like we we're not a machine that will we will know the report right away or like we will remember everything at, at the same time so when when i write things down uh between innings uh i kind of like go through all the hitters again and i just refresh my mind with the information that I, that i had there so you might you might you might like write down uh, first. So you'll look back and you say, "Well, first time up, I went fastball, curveball, curveball." And so second time up, I changed it. And third time up, I want I'm changing my sequence again. Um, so it's just kind of little reminders that you keep going forward. You know, as the game progresses. Yes, and just uh, to like uh, seeing the reactions or the swing that you're getting with your pitches. Like I, I like to keep that. Uh, writing too because like after after the game i do like a review of whatever happened into the game so i i always like to have all those details there 
I have to imagine there's a bit of a calming mechanism too, right? That that if you immediately go into the dugout and focus on writing down, um, it, it, it probably is just part of your routine now, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just easier. It's it just like I feel it's so much easier to me to work that way because I just have it. Like, I it's no, I, I've been doing this for, for a little bit now. So it's like you say, it's part of my routine. Do you ever write down at the top of the page, man, was I ever awesome that inning? Um, Your pitching coach in Myrtle Beach, Anderson Tavares, right? Uh, Was he the one who kind of talked about your pace and, and working quickly? And I know that's always a balancing act where you don't want to rush things, but I remember your big league debut <laughs> compared to a lot of big league pitchers, man, you, you were pitching very, very, very quickly. <laughs> so uh, I always like to work fast because I don't like the hitter thinking too much. So um, when I throw a strike, I go right away, you know, like I like to go r- right away. But in the big leagues, you have to control your emotions and you have to deal with all that too. So sometimes I will rush a little bit. Um, I feel that uh, Tavares, he just knows me so well because he was my pitching coach for five years in the minors. So he like literally knows the way that my arm, uh, my delivery works. So we will just have these conversations about all that. So he kind of like got me through a lot of steps to get into the picture that I'm right now. That's fantastic. Uh, how often do you speak with him um, now, even, you know, when you're in the big leagues, do you talk to him after every, every time you pitch? Uh, does he give you little pointers here and there? How does that work? So I know him for eight years now. So the relationship is pretty big. I'm literally, I literally talk to him every single day. That's great. <laughs> That is great. And I also uh, saw one of your mentors was, is Marwin Gonzalez's father, Mario? Is that correct? Yes. He was the guy that uh, offered me my first opportunity to, to like go and try, try out with a professional team. Um, he was the one that like talked to my parents because when I was 16 years old, we it really didn't know that was the age that you were supposed to sign as a professional player down there in Venezuela because I was just going to school and I was playing for, for fun. You know, I wasn't thinking about to to be a professional baseball player. Um, He was the one that talked to my dad. My dad uh, knows him for a long, long, long time because uh, we, we are from the same... Uh, state in Venezuela so uh just started there and we start like training doing more like pitching stuff uh fixing my mechanics fixing the way that I was throwing the ball and all this so yeah Marvin Gonzalez dad he's he was like literally the first one that that gave me that opportunity that's fantastic now, how about, was your dad a player did your dad was he a so, ball player so my dad, he never played baseball growing up. Uh, my grandfather was the one that took me to to a baseball field for the first time. 
but uh my dad he was a long time the uh the trainer for the powerlifting team in Venezuela so my dad is like my personal conditioning trainer or something like that you know <laughs> he will like he will always run my workout during the off season and it's just everything like my dad will will do like everything that has to do with my body he will do it when i was down in the minors you know in all my off season programs and all that oh, that's interesting so you're so your dad's a trainer your wife's a nutritionist um, you've got all your bases covered <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Um, what about your relationship with Wilson Contreras and, um, you know, being both from Venezuela, um, is that a little more special for you, uh, and Wilson, uh, together in the big leagues, uh, with the Cubs? So, well, our relationship comes from back, back in the time, because when I, when I first signed as a professional, uh, I play in Venezuela in, in the in like the lower level, the winter ball they have over there or they had over there during those years. So Wilson was the first one that catch me as a professional baseball player. So he was my far, my, my, my first catcher at that time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's going back uh, seven or eight years uh, ago. Then. Yeah. yeah. That, that year, that was the year that I think he, yeah, that was the year that he started catching for the first time. That was the year that he went back to uh short short season to uh, as a catcher. All right, so you're a teenager at the time, but give us the scouting report on a young Wilson Contreras learning how to catch. At the time, did you say to yourself he's going to be in the major leagues, or did you think, ooh, he's got a lot to learn? <laughs> well, at that moment, I mean, he was just destroying baseball. <laughs> I, I so. At that moment, you don't really care about like how is this gonna be as a catcher. You will just be watching Wilson hitting all the time, the whole step <laughs> into the batter's box because he was just hitting absolutely bombs by that time. You've got to be pretty proud of him. I mean, uh, uh, he got here before you did, but to see him become one of the top two or three catchers in all of the major leagues has to feel really good for you as a friend. Oh my gosh, it, it feels amazing. Like I, whatever um, you know comes to his way or to my way, I know he's gonna be happy for me too, as I am for him. So usually I'm gonna see him in three weeks from now because I'm gonna go down to uh, Orlando uh, to spend some time with with some of my friends over there and my agent. And uh, we have the same agent, so we're just gonna be. Hanging out for a whole week. <laughs> That's great. Oh, be fun. I want to shift, shift gears just a little bit and just talk about um, when you first came to the states. Um, I, I think it was it was Boise their first stop. Um, yeah, you in in, in the, the U.S. So, so talk about you know the, the transition, the language. I mean, you know how did how did you make that transition? Was it easy? Was it tough? Did you have mentors to kind of help guide you through? Um, because your command of the language, of the English language, is, is really remarkable. Uh, but I'm assuming that wasn't always the case. So I think that a, a good thing for me was like uh, when I was in high school back home in Venezuela. So 
to to get out of high school uh to graduate from there so at least you had a in, in the uh high school that i w was going to at least you had a, to make a conversation in english to like okay this guy is ready you know to go to college and things like that so i had a like really really good english class for two years back home so i i, I knew it like the basic but i when i got when i first got into airplane um flew to the united states when i when we flew from venezuela to houston when i got to houston and then i just hear all the americans talking i was like wait this sounds so different than whatever <laughs> i was talking back home because i mean it, it was a, a whole different way to talk so it was for the first like month it was hard for me to talk because I was like shy uh, the first time. But the good thing to me was like when I when I first got here, I knew I had to make a conversation. So I knew I had to ask for things. I knew like I was like, I I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be all over the place at least. <laughs> <laughs> and And just being so young, I mean, what was... What was the most difficult part of of that transition, um, or was or was it easy? Was it was it pretty simple for you once you you kind of got uh, you know pitching and into your routine? Uh, and and what about uh, living in the states that was different from what you expected? So it's funny because my first year here, it was, I mean, it was it was great. I I had a a good year in 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 the rookie season, so. It was hard for me in the part that it was the first time ever living without my parents for more than two weeks, I think. So I'm literally, I was like, okay, I don't know how to do things. <laughs> <laughs> so it was hard for me in that, in that part, but, and then the eating. Sure. I will, I will eat Chipotle every single day for four months. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I would do the same. <laughs> I had I had Chipotle every single day. And then it was in and out too. Then when I found that in and out was that good, I was like, okay, now I can have one on one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh okay, so was there any new food that you hadn't uh, had uh in a while or ever that, that you really grew to love? Uh, not really. I'm, I've been having just a lot of different kind of food now, so. Just no red meat. No red meat for the moment. <laughs> so you told us about your off-season program. As you look ahead to 2021, uh, what is your big personal goal? My big personal goal, well, first of all, is to make the thing out of the spring training. That's mm -hmm. uh, obviously the first uh, goal to do. Then uh, be part of the uh, starting rotation is another goal. Um, 175 plus innings. Those are good goals. And and there might be some opportunities. Um, how How much do you pay attention to off-season moves around baseball do you do you follow uh what's I, going on or do you just just worry about yourself i don't really follow that because i'm literally like 
in the off season to me is the time that I have to like put a hundred and twenty percent on me because I literally have all the time that I can have to to just get better for the next season, you know. So, but sometimes yeah, I will I will go over Twitter or on the news and and see uh, what is going on. All right. How about how about some some quick uh, rapid fire questions for you? Uh, did you have a big league moment facing a particular batter where it was someone you had followed and admired for a while, and you thought, "Oh man, I'm facing this guy." Was there was I mean, there a guy last year or this year that you faced where you were like, "Uh oh, here we go." Oh, well, last year was definitely Robinson Cano. Because I mean, yeah. I grew up watching him as a Yankee uh, player, so to me it was Cano. And this year, uh, well, when uh, Paul Goldsmith the step in the in the batting box, I was like, "Here we go! This is the moment that we were looking for." <laughs> and you got Cano out right in your big league yeah. debut. Yes. <laughs> All right, who do you admire uh, a pitcher, but not a Chicago Cub? It cannot be a teammate. Okay, Felix Hernandez. And what is it about King Felix? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) As a a kid growing up back home in Venezuela, um, you always have these big names, you know, that you always want to follow. he he was in, in, in that category for me, you know. I always will look up to Felix Hernandez, you know. Like, I was like, I always would tell, I want to be like this guy, you know. I want to I, I gonna be doing the same things that, that this guy is doing at that moment. And the funny part of this is, like, we, first of all, we're in the same agency and we have the same exactly agent. So, to me, it's just, like, kind of crazy. <laughs> when did you meet him? I'm. I met him three years ago uh, during a spring training. And what what was that like? You had to be pretty nervous. Oh my gosh, it was it, it was just like <laughs> a, a a dream coming through because I I was like he was my idol growing up. He's still one of them, you know. So it was it was a big moment for me. And did he did he prove to be a really good dude? I mean, sometimes that yeah. can be a letdown if 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 when your if your idol turns out to be a, um, you know, not such a good dude. No, 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 a great guy. I love him. <laughs> yeah, I've heard great things about uh, King Felix. So, did you hear from him after you made your debut? Do you do you guys stay in touch? Yes, yes. <laughs> Would you ever give him advice if you saw something? <laughs> like, hey, you know, you might want to uh, do this with that uh, with your breaking ball. I mean, I, I, I won't tell them that, but I mean, if he asks for something, I'm I'm down for that. Quintana will do it. Quintana will be like, whatever you you see on me, I'm feel free to 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 tell me. Like, I mean, you know, your shit too. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What about your hobbies outside of baseball and staying in shape? Uh, what what do you uh, enjoy doing? Uh, I like. Uh, I really love just spending time with uh the people that I really love, you know. Uh I'm not a big video game guy, so as much time I can spend with 
the person that I love, I, I will take it over anything. That's a good answer. JD, do you have any other quick uh, fire well, questions? I, I'm just thinking of the, uh, the that red suit that you wore to the convention. Oh, yeah. Um, are you a fashion guy? Are you a clothes guy? Because that was, that was an attention getter. Uh, yes. I'm, I, I like I, I like. I'm always being that way. I like being looking good all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like like when you first your first big league paycheck or the first thing when you first started to make a decent money uh, in the baseball world, did you uh, would you be more inclined to spend it on clothes, on jewelry, on cars, on uh, uh, on I'm, I'm pretty sure it will go to choose. <laughs> shoes. shoes. Yeah. How, how many how many pairs of shoes do you own? Oh my gosh. Uh to be honest, I don't I, I don't really don't know. <laughs> that many, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's like that's one of the things that I really like to do. I like to have good good pair of shoes. <laughs> All right, last one. Uh favorite teammate you've ever had. It it can be a minor league teammate or a big league teammate, but give us a name and why. Favorite teammate, uh, his name is uh, Jesus Castillo. <laughs> uh, he plays now for the uh, Brewers, but he used to be uh, a Chicago Cub uh, as a minor leaguer with us. Um, we trade him for Lestella to the Angels, I think. Mm -hmm. And what is uh, it about Jesus? Uh, I know him since I was 14 years old. Um, our relationship has always been like brothers, you know. Um, I just love to do. Um, he lives here in Arizona too, so he always like we're always hanging out together. That's great. So if we asked him his all-time favorite teammate, he would say you, right? I mean, he has to. He better, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But um, uh, I just feel blessed because I'm, I'm really can say that I have a lot of favorite teammates. Like, it's not just one or two, sure. two, two guys. You know, like I'm, I'm pretty sure I can, I can pick a lot of of the guys that I have played. Um, they all can be like my favorite teammates. Well, I'll tell you, Edbert, you've got a great energy uh, and, and a, uh, an aura about you. Uh, J.D. and I have really uh, enjoyed watching you pitch. And uh, I think J.D. would be all in on the 175 innings from you next year. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the future and the very near future and the present is very bright for you. And we, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, thanks, thanks for being with us and uh, stay safe and sound this winter, okay? No, thank you guys so much for having me um uh having this time with me. I really appreciate that and all the blessings. <laughs>that was fun uh, adbert uh, gave us uh, some some good uh, biographical information that we can use uh, the next time we see him pitch in 2021 not a big surprise uh, felix hernandez is one of his heroes and the one thing i always love jd is when you, know, you you ask somebody who your hero is or was growing up and then you find out that not only have you been able to meet this person, but you've become friendly with them. That that's always a really neat story. Yeah, yeah, and he's um, 
uh, you know, this year we were, didn't have access to the players and uh, Adbert hasn't been around all that long. So we really haven't had a chance to talk to him that much in person. I'm really looking forward to doing that uh, going forward. He's an engaging guy. He's a sharp guy. Um, and obviously a very committed guy too, talking about his training and nutrition. Um, I, I think he has an understanding, a guy, and you, and you talked about it in our conversation with him. He's had some injuries in the past. And, and I think um, having gone through that, he has the perspective of maybe a guy who's been around a little bit longer than than he actually has. All right. Should we dive into the baseball dictionary? Give, a, give me a letter and we'll uh, come up with a couple of baseball terms. Okay. Um, we don't have a used letter board, do we, Vanna? Um, let's, <laughs> okay. Let's go Y. All right. Let's go letter to the back of the y. book here. Let's go Y. Oh man, did you have a word in mind? <laughs> I didn't. I just, I just, uh, I just. Why is like philosophical? Yeah. All right. Well, actually, in the in the in the Dixon Baseball Dictionary, X and Y are in the same chapter. That's how Very few words few. there are. All right. How about a yacker? A yacker. A mean, sharp, breaking. Overhand curveball, the yacker, the Uncle Charlie. Yeah, the yellow hammer is yellow. Is yellow hammer on there too? I believe it is. Yes, that's another term for. Do they um, a curveball? Do they find yellow hammer? All right, here we go. Sharply breaking curveball. Satchel Page used that term. The etymology: the term is a colloquial name for a common bunting. Found in Europe, I believe a bunting would be a bird. I think that's right. I think I've read that before. It's the way they swooped or something. That's uh, right. Which is why the the curveball got the, the the name the yellow hammer. I like that. That's is there anything great. on the yacker? Like who first used yacker? Let me find it. Like Hang Dennis on, or somebody. Or? A yacker. Uh, there's all these Yankee terms here. Uh, Thomas Boswell used it, 1979. Uh, Dennis Eckersley used that term for his fastball. Oh, really? He called that his yacker. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more from the Y section. This was a team slogan, so I'll, I'll, I'll use this as a trivia question. Which team, and name the year, used You Gotta Believe? I believe that would be the 1973 Mets, and I believe it was Tug McGraw who ding, ding, ding. coined that phrase. Yeah, You got it. Yeah. Nicely done. Uh, all right. Any, uh, anything on your mind before we uh, say goodbye? Uh, no. Uh, well, uh, congratulations, Kim Eng, uh, first general manager, a female general manager. Uh, in the major leagues uh, as the father of three daughters that uh, has been met with great um, excitement in, in our house and uh, all around baseball. As a matter of fact, it's, it's great to see people react to her hiring by the Marlins. It's a great story. Uh, Don Mattingly was named the manager of the year uh, for the first time. Uh, unfortunately, as Cubs fans know, the Marlins uh, dispatched of the Cubs uh, in the first round and got to the second round. Uh, but things are definitely looking up for the Marlins, and I'm with you. That is a, a terrific hire. Uh, I don't know Kim very well, but she has been in the game forever. 
And uh, it's, it's a great thing for her, uh, for the sport, uh, and for women everywhere. And I, I think she's going to do a really nice job. Uh, that, that team uh, is really intriguing, I think, going in to 2021. Uh, aside from that, it's been pretty quiet here so far, uh, getting into free agency and the like. Uh, congrats to Trevor Bauer, who won the National League Cy Young Award. I thought you, Darvish, J.D., would get a few more votes than he did, first-place votes. Uh, but I think you and I agreed going in that Bauer was probably uh, the headliner and Darvish uh, a, a 1A, so to speak. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you could make a case for you, um, but I think you can make a stronger case for Bauer. So I think the voters ultimately got it right. All right, special thanks to Big Jim Oboikowicz, Shane McGuire, Joe Rios, Matt Romito, Daniel Green, Adam Sobel. And for Jim Deshays, I'm Len Casper. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, share this podcast with your friends. Happy Thanksgiving. We will probably talk to you right after the holiday on Open Concessions, presented by Toyota. Toyota.